0: when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. This ends in scripture reading. Thank you, Marie. Well, today we're we're taking, not not really a side light, but a little step. Matt's been doing the Ten Commandments, we'll get right back to that. And this doesn't really go away because... The actual part in the beginning, love, the Lord God, without a whole soul of mine, is what Jesus said when I honor all the commandments, right? But that's what he said. But. So as we think about this, I want, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to listen to this story and then tell me what your gut reaction is. Don't give me your, you thought about it for five minutes, but instantly, what do you think? So this has actually happened. This is a true story. This is back in the 1800s. So a man named Adoran Ad- Ad- Judson sent this letter to his soon-to-be father-in-law a couple months before he was, in the, before he was asking for his, his daughter's hand in marriage. He says, I, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjugation to the hardships and suffering of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of wanton distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hopes of soon meeting your daughter in the hopes in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise, which she shall resound to her Savior from heathen's sake, though her means from eternal woe and despair? Now think about it. If you're a father and you have a daughter, this is the letter you get from your son-in-law. Soon to be son law Basically, I'm taking your daughter away. You'll never talk, see, or hear about it. She's probably going to die miserably. And what would your answer be? Okay. Now, after we've studied this passage, I hope the opposite is true. That your answer would be absolutely yes. After we're done, judge <laughs> no. But so before we start, let's just get back to what is happening in Deuteronomy. So what has happened is Israel has has. Been, just got out of Exodus and so what has happened we know that God did the plagues basically proved that he was more powerful than the Egyptians God he parted the Red Sea, he wiped out the Egyptian army, and then when they were supposed to go to the promised land they sent the ten spies and eight of them come back and goes, no way we can't do it, and then God goes alright you're going to wander the desert for 40 years have fun, and now they've been wandering around, and they come back and now Moses is reminding them with this passage which, which Marie just read. Red. So we're looking at basically three things. Four starts with, I would tell you, it's called the reason. Five and six, verse five and six, this would be where our passions should come from. And then seven and nine would be the result of all this. And I, it's sort of, I feel like it's a block. Once you get four, five and six comes, and when five and six comes, so comes seven and eight. But as we start, the first thing we know is that this phrase in four is called the Shema. It's very similar to sort of like, Like the Lord's prayer for us, I mean, all the Israelites would have memorized this and learned this, and they would have repeated it, trying to remind them of of what God has done for them. And as we start, when you think about it, the very first verse is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And and he's trying to once again say, I am the Lord. I am it. I'm the most powerful. I am in charge. I've created all this beauty. I mean, he's reminding once again, because the Israelites can look over their history and see all the things God has done. We can even go back farther because we're farther ahead in life. We know that God ultimately sends his son to die on a cross, right? That he suffers and dies after living a perfect life so that we can have a relationship with him. And the great thing about God is God doesn't need you. And you need to understand that God does not need you. He, you do not exist in his world for him to have pleasure. You don't, he doesn't need you. But, but he wants you, which is a different thing. I need you to recognize as we're talking about this, you're not necessary for God's completeness. I know that's hard for us to hear in this American culture, but he doesn't. He doesn't need you. He's totally complete and joyful and happy with himself right now. But what he does is he wants a relationship with us. And he's reminding the Israelites, here is what I've done. I've gone out of my way to to make a world for you and to bring a place where I can bring you into my kingdom to make you righteous. Now, if you truly understand that and get that, the next thing comes super easy. Because the next thing is that if that's true, then you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that I command you today shall be on your heart. When you think about that, if you thought about your life for one second, do you actually love God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Because here's what I've noticed in most people, including myself. Some of us are very cerebral, so we think everything with our heads. Some of us are, are, are a bundle of emotions, and it's all about how it makes us feel. Right? And so if we could tie all those together, it would be incredible. But it would also mean that our lives were meaningless apart from God. Right? It means that when you saw that letter, and I have one daughter, four sons, so if I got that letter for Kyle, I'm like, yeah, get rid of her. Take her. <laughs> but I, I mean, instantly, my thought in my head should be, I love my daughter. I would be very, very, very sad never to speak here or think about or see her again. Never know what's going to happen to her. But if it's what God wanted, then I should be delighted. And if it's what God has called her to, I should be delighted. Because if we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, I mean, it means everything about us oozes God. And it's one of the biggest problems with the church today. We are all... Don't be offended. Pathetic at living our lives for Christ for the most part. We're up and down all around. I mean, you think about what is a Christian life? what should it look like? Like when you think about it, it should be a place where repentance is flowing all the time. Where forgiveness is never not given. That is the place it would be. It would be a place that anybody could walk off the street. No matter what their story is, what their background is, whatever garbage they're in at the moment, they would be loved the minute they walked in the door. Not because of what they're bringing, but because of the fact that they're made in the image of God. And we love everybody because God loved us. And it's just interesting to think about as we do this because there's this great, there you go. I like youth, so this is the thing about youth. Top 10 reasons we're losing our youth. I just want to read you this soon. The first one is the church is relevant. I know what you're thinking right now. That's dumb. No, but the fact is church is so relevant, it's pointless. There's no, there's no truth behind it all. It's just relevant. It just makes us feel right. The next one is they never attend church to begin with. Like you sort of, on and off, I don't know, you, don't, you come, you don't go. It's Easter, I'll come. It's Christmas, I'll come. There's a Super Bowl, I'm not coming. And this is what hell is, where do they go? They get smart, which means they begin to, people start acting like they're intelligent and actually communicating with them truths. And then they start going, oh, my parents said and I'm like, that's not true. And then, like, and then they start struggling. We send them out. Unprepared, Unarmed. They don't know what they're talking about. They just get out there and then they hear this thing and they're like. Ah, that sounds right. And then they're off and here they go. They lack community. And here's the thing. They found better feelings. They go to a place that makes them feel closer to God. Because we're basically, if you base it all on feelings. Right. They get tired of pretending. And, that, and this is the one that I think is so true. Church in general. We are so full of hypocrites, and we're all hypocrites. I am a total hypocrite. Okay. Just mark it down. I'm a t- I say things all the time and do the opposite, like we all do. But if we're not repentant, if we're not giving forgiveness, we truly are hypocrites. And you truly are walking the talk. You're not walking your talk. What you say is true, and what you're doing are opposite of each other. And no kid buys that, right? I love... Families like, I don't know, let's pick thing that I don't deal with, smoking, I'm not a smoker. But I love families when kids smoke, Oh, this is a great one, so I have a kid I would deal with whose parents are weed smokers, whatever opinion you have, great. And, and, and he smokes weed, the kid, and the parents are always getting mad at him for smoking weed. So finally he goes, you idiots, you smoke weed. And they're like, they're like yeah, 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 but we're not. <laughs> But I mean, but that logic is what we do all the time with people, right? We're constantly arguing, here's what we need to do. I don't know I don't do it, but you need to do it because what God says. And when God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, literally, everything about you oozes Jesus. And when you don't, what's your first reaction? Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Go say, I'm sorry. And then when someone comes to you, you want to give it. If you understand because that's where we are. Somebody had to come and do that for us. Which is Jesus, which is God, right? I mean, they had to do it. Israel's wander wandering around the wilderness 40 years because they're dumb like we are. Jesus is like, I'm not God. like, I'm not, and I'll let you into the promised land. And think about it. For 40 years, they've been wandering around suffering because they refused to believe it in the first place. That this is what God wanted. We do it all the time with God's word. Don't believe what God is telling us. You don't actually believe the words of God will give you a joyous life. Because we don't like what it says. I love this argument, and I hear this all the time with high school kids, which is enjoyable to me. The action is always, but it doesn't make me feel good, so I shouldn't have to do it. And the problem is, I like to make fun of high school students, but I'm not that different. And neither are we. Because the reality is, we don't truly trust God. And so, one of the reasons the Shema was, was spoken by the Israelites over and over again is to remind people who God was and what God had done and what our reaction should be. And so, if you truly understand God, then you're truly going to ooze God, right? Like what 5 and 6 says. You, You shall love the Lord God with our heart, soul, and mind. And that's going to start coming out. And so the result will be in 7 through 9, where it says, You shall teach him diligence. I mean, like everything about you is pointing to Jesus. Because it's just who you are, it's just what's inside you. When you think about that for a minute, if you don't look like Jesus, you aren't living in sin. I'm not gonna define you what looking like Jesus is. It means this: if you if you go to church every week, you're beautiful. If you have a quiet time 385 days a year, you're even better. I mean, like, that's not what we're talking about, right? It's not this moralistic compass we can mark off our boxes, which is for some of us happy. It's also not that, that we never feel distant from God, it's not an emotion. It's the reality that God is everything we need, and everything we want is found in Him. I can only be a good husband. If my if I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. It's the only way I'm gonna do it because I'm an idiot half the time. Ask Kate. 95% of our arguments are her fault. I'm totally kid. <laughs> totally my fault. Yep. But like in reality, even my kids, right? I mean, my kids recognize I am got issues. Uh-huh. They know it. I drive a car, I yell at people with the windows up. I'm a Christian now. <laughs> Don't want them to hear me. But, like, I do stuff like that all the time, right? I mean, I respond in my head totally wrong to people. But yet, if I don't recognize the sin in that, that I let that out towards people, I can't love people the way God wants me to love people. I won't reflect God the way I need to reflect God. And here's the great thing. I think in our heads, and this is the whole thing about walking around, teaching it. I mean, at the core of what we need to do is repent, to our children, to our spouses, to each other. Because let's be honest, as Matt had said earlier, like, we're a room full of sinners. Amen. I mean, here's the, here's the truth. If I have not offended you yet, give me time. Yeah. Give me time. I'll, we'll go to lunch afterward, but give me time. And, and I'll offend you. But, like, but that's the truth of what we live in. That's the truth of where we're at. And if you can't find forgiveness, then the hard question is, do you actually know Jesus? If you never think you need to repent, do you actually know the Christ that died on a cross for a bunch of sinners? Or you had some nice little image in your head of what God is? And I say all this not to create any confusion, frustration, anger, pain, whatever. But the reality is when, when we're going through the Ten Commandments, and I'll be honest with you, I hate rules. Like, I hate them. Like, having a schedule makes me feel like a rat in a tin can. Like It drives me crazy. Like, I, I need like open spaces and Eat lunch three times if I have to. I mean, whatever I need. I hate. I hate to be bound. <laughs> My wife's the opposite. She loves lists, boundaries, things, and we still work together pretty good. <laughs> but the reality, is, but the reality is, I want to ooze God, which means I have to be obedient to things He's asking me to do that I don't particularly want to do. He's asking me to put myself at the feet of the cross every moment, every day. Mm -hmm. And we struggle because we think we know better. Like like these, I mean, and I always call them the dumb Israelites because it's the dumb Christians and the dumb anybody else who follows Jesus. Because we all think we can do it better. Let's change what the Bible says now because, you know, it's 2,000 years later and, you know, God was a little bit culturally, you know, out of it. Let's change it. We have the God who created all this, who created this world, who put it all together. You think he missed a step? Mm -mm. Do you honestly believe he screwed up somewhere? Mm -mm. Because if he did, he's not God. But if we're going to reflect God, then we have to begin in like seven through nine says we need to start, if you have children, telling your children. But even more so, start walking your talk. Living out what he's saying, having that be part of who you are. I mean, I love the line you should talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You should bind them as a sign on your hands. You should put them as a frontlet on your before your eyes. Have you ever seen the movies where the, the Jewish men have a little white box right here? That's what that's sort of what that means by you know, because that helps to put it right here. You never forget it then. And he goes, you should write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So here's my question to you. Think about that. you could write there on the doorpost of your house and your gate. When people walk by your house and know who you are, do they know you love Jesus? Do they even tell that by looking at you? Looking at your house, looking at the way you live, looking at how you carry yourself, how you act? And here's the deal. Don't go home and make a list and go put up a sign in front of your house saying, I love Jesus. I mean, it's, it's how it should come out of us. It should be the way we respond and act towards one another. I love Redeemer because Redeemer is one of the friendliest churches I've ever been at. Mm-hmm. Now, you may see been more friendly ones, and that's great. And you may be in here and go, nobody talks to me, you're lying. All that may be possible. But I also know anytime I've ever brought anybody here, the reaction's always, wow, those people realize. Even one of my extroverted friends says, I'll never come back. I cannot do the greeting time. <laughs> you can't have everything. But the reality is, but one thing I like about Redeemer is you can walk in this place. And and come with your issues, and no one's going to turn their back on you that I've ever seen. Not that it doesn't happen, but like in general, you can bring your garbage here. We don't care. We're going to love you and care for you and try to do our best, and we're going to fail you and offend you and try to repent and and do it all over again. The reason the Jews memorized this was to remind them of who God was. He is the only God. And unlike us, they literally saw it in action— when Jesus destroyed people in his name, or God destroyed people in his name, to prove to everybody that he was most powerful. And like us, they cross the Red Sea, they watch as the the Egyptian army follows them, God releases the floods, kills them all, and then within a couple weeks they're making golden armies. Because Moses was taking too long on the mountain with the Ten Commandments just like us. But what is the response? Repent. The response is not get your stuff together. The the, the, the thing is not to wear your better clothes and walk taller and act more mature. The answer is to repent and ask God for forgiveness and once again humble and submit yourself to his authority. So my challenge is to you this. I want to live in a world, which never happened until God comes back, where, where, where repentance is just sort of normal, where forgiveness is just sort of normal. And it's interesting because if that would start happening, what would God do with us? If our lives truly reflect, I mean, like, I want you guys to walk around the street and everybody people like, oh, yeah. That dude loves Jesus. I don't like him, but he loves Jesus. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like, he's super kind. I was a jerk to him, the other day, and he was like, I don't even get it. Like, so let me end with this story and you know, I'll wrap it up. This is my closing answer. So I told you about Eric, the guy came in over says A-D-O-N-I-R-A-M. Judson. So this is this is what happened in his life, just so you know. So he sent a letter to the guy. His parents said, You're in, you can have her, take her, never see her again. He goes, he ends up spending his missionary career not in India, but in Burma. And during his 37 years of service there, he persevered through 17 months of brutal imprisonment, several bouts of life-threatening illness, the death of two wives, which means his wife did not make it long. His wife died And, and lost six children to death. He succeeded in translating the Bible into Burmese and compiled an English-Burmese dictionary. He waited six years for the first Burmese convert. By the time of his death in 1850, there were 100 Burmese churches and over 8,000 Burmese Christians. Now, not to say, hey, be impressed with him, but to recognize God has a plan. And if he's calling you, go. Stop sitting at your house watching TV or playing video games or yelling at your children or eating pizza, whatever the heck you're doing. Follow God's lead because he is the Lord and he is king and he is in charge and you're not a mistake. Right? You're not an accident. God has a plan for every single person sitting in this church and beyond. Don't be afraid to follow Jesus. Jesus. And that means following his words and his commands. And it starts oftentimes by repenting to your children, to whomever. And I'll be honest with you, and I'll wrap up with this. Most kids I know love their parents. They'll trash a lot of all time. And what they want more than anything from their parents is to be loved. Mm-hmm. And to know what's right and wrong. How are they supposed to get that if you don't show it? And how are they supposed to get that if what you're telling them isn't the way you live? Because that makes no sense. And it's no different than everybody you meet on the street, every friend you have. If you claim and hold the banner, I am a Christian, I am a born-again believer, I gave my life to Jesus Christ who died on the cross. But yet your life is totally different. You just throw dirt on Jesus because it makes no sense. It's, It's illogical. Because what you're claiming isn't true. What you say is true isn't clear the way you live your life. I've been married 30 years. Don't clap. It's all Kate's doing. (laughs) I've been married 30 years. What would you do if you heard that I had three other girlfriends, six other families, and I never once spoke about Kate in public? What's your thought about my marriage? Not very good. Just like our relationship with Jesus. We have six other idols, six other quote-unquote gods we're worshiping. Everything about us points to nothing that God done. Why would anybody think you're a believer? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the time we get together. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you love us and that we can stand here. And we know that we are <laughs> always fall short of what it is, what we're called to do. And we know the fact is that you loved us. And that's why you came to give us a life with you. and that You took care of all of our, our sins on the cross and that we can free.